0: Welcome to the Get Your Go podcast, here today, great show lined up, rumors of the Seahawks and discussions for Julio Jones, how real is that, an 18 game schedule, really, really? Full dive on both the NBA and the NHL playoffs. Getting caught up to date on that. Rays, Tampa Bay Rays taunting the Yankees. And then finishing up uh, with major news of Naomi Osaka withdrawing from a French Open in reactions to that. So let's get started with the Seahawks and Julio Jones. Can the Seahawks get Julio Jones Uh To me, I believe that is a straight no. I do not believe Julio Jones will be going uh, to the Seattle Seahawks because Seahawks really don't have a first-round pick uh, to give up, at least this coming year, uh, this past year, and they didn't have a pick, and next year they won't have a pick either because of the Jamal Adams uh, trade, so they would have to be giving up uh, their 20- 23 first-round draft pick for Julio, and I don't see that. And it would have to be more of him a draft pick because Julio Jones is scheduled to be making around, I think, 20 million next year. Uh, so that's why the Falcons are waiting for a trade uh, to be done so that they can have some cap relief and split the dead money that would be owed to him between this season and next season. But I don't think the Seahawks are running. Yes, Russell Wilson may have talked to Julio Jones and they might be talking back and forth. And But I think that's all that's going to happen. This to me is not going to materialize into anything. Uh, Seahawks are up against the cap as well. They can't take on that contract even if Uh, they'd have to trade people out, uh, such as Lockett. You have to remember D.K. Metcalf is still on his rookie contract, and he could be getting a similar uh, contract to that of Julio Jones if his production uh, stays the same or perhaps increases. He'll probably be paid like a top 5, top 10 wide receiver uh, in this league. Uh, So they have to plan for that as well, so no... Uh, the Seahawks will not get Julio Jones, no matter how much Russell Wilson uh, talks about it. Uh, this is not something that will be talked uh, into fruition. But then, let's just hypothetical, because if a trade were to happen, uh, it would have to be uh, crazy. You might have to trade Lockett, uh, some other pieces to help your cap with draft picks, But let's just put a hypothetical. Let's just say it was a first-round draft pick in the next few years in draft picks. They added Julio Jones. Would this team be that much better? Uh, Would this team be Super Bowl favorites or Super Bowl contenders? If they were to land Julio Jones, uh, they being the Seattle Seahawks, if the Seahawks were to land Julio Jones, I do I do believe they would be Super Bowl contenders, but not Super Bowl favorites. If they were to get Julio Jones, I would then put them ahead of every team in the NFC West to win the division this year. Uh, Right now I have the Rams in the first spot and kind of everybody else jockeying for the second spot. The Rams were reportedly in the running for Julio Jones Uh, which would have put them as, I think, teetering Super Bowl favorites if they were to have added Julio Jones to that offense, but they're out of a running. But if the Seahawks were to wind up getting him somehow, I believe they would be the favorites in the NFC West uh, to win the division. You'd have Russell Wilson, a great quarterback, especially a quarterback who starts the season off so well, so hot, carrying the load for his team, and then he kind of fizzles as the rest of the team does better uh, and balances the load and the weight much more evenly come the second half of the season. But you would have a terrific, a terrific air attack with D.K. Metcalf, Julio Jones, and Tyler Lockett. You could have Lockett working out of a slot. D.K. Metcalf is the X, wide receiver out on the outside of the Jones, on the other outside wide right receiver side, you'd have to know who to double-team, uh, count for Russell Wilson in the backfield uh, to run around and make plays and scramble. So this offense would be very potent. I believe it would be one of the best offenses, uh, depending on the philosophies that this offensive coordinator and Pete Carroll uh, work up. But no, I think this would be a great move for the Seahawks. Uh... If it can work it in their favor. Because I think a move like this uh, would put them in the top two of the uh, NFC hierarchy. I still would have Tampa Bay as one repeating. But the Seahawks would then elevate to number two. Or maybe I see them as an outside wild card. Uh, Then have them supplant the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. And the rest of the teams there as well. This offense would be really... Really good. I think you'd have to let Russ cook. You'd have to be throwing the ball a lot if you added Julio Jones. A lot of double teams. You can't be double teaming both Julio Jones and DK Metcalf. Leave Lockett running free. One of these guys is going to be one on one mismatched either Julio or DK. Uh, That's not an unstoppable offense, uh, but it's pretty darn close. Uh, To me, it's not as poised as. The Bucks, because the Bucks do have a much better offensive line, uh, to me a balanced running attack. Yes, Chris Carson might be better than the running backs that the Bucks have, but the way they use their run game uh, is a nice complement to their passing game. You know, with Tom Brady because he has the weapons: Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski. So of course, they're going to throw the ball. More than they run the ball because of the weapons and what's suited to their style of offense. Maybe Pete Carroll could learn a couple things uh, from the way that they do it down south. Then, there's also more speculation on Aaron Rodgers. Again, if a deal is done for Julio Jones, it would be sometime after June 1st because of a cap relief. And the same uh, would be said uh, for Aaron Rodgers a deal would most likely to become after a first uh, because it would save them, I think, around $16 million. So, of course, they'd do it now. And I think with Aaron Rodgers living his best life, vacationing in Hawaii with his fiance and Miles Teller and his wife and enjoying life not reporting uh, to VOTAs, uh, or training camp, uh, went on Sports Center and said, yes, this trade request is real. I really don't think he will be back with the Packers. Or maybe uh, he'll stay on the Packers, but I think he would retire or uh, sit a whole season to not play with the Packers anymore. I really do think uh, this is done, and before this gets any uglier on both sides, I think right now is the time where you have to trade Aaron Rodgers, because if he's not coming back, you don't want to wait till later in the year, later in the season, uh, to trade Aaron Rodgers for two reasons. One, his trade value is probably near an all-time high. Just one MVP. Uh, he is loved around the league for the way he plays and the way he doesn't turn the ball over and has MVP caliber seasons and heats up at the right time. Uh, so his trade value is high. And then two, it's better to get this done earlier in the off season to have a clean start for your organization. You know your goals moving forward. And then whoever's gonna be the quarterback after Aaron Rodgers, you can then plan for that. They can have that full off season of training camp with the first team offense and scrimmages and things like that. You can start grooming your next quarterback earlier than instead of trading him later in the season, uh, or later in the off season where your Venn quarterback stepping in is now uh, behind the curve, so as to say. So to me, it's important to trade Rodgers. Uh, I think they should trade Aaron Rodgers this week. I wouldn't be surprised if I hear an Aaron Rodgers trade this week, but if a trade doesn't happen this week or perhaps the next, I do think... uh, the Packers are fine just holding on to him and playing hardball. And I think Aaron Rodgers is fine playing hardball as well. But with a team like the Forty ers out of a running and others, I think uh even to me the Raiders don't seem like a good one anymore with uh I think they believe in Derek Carr. I think the only viable team would be uh the Denver Broncos, that's kind of the only team I see him going to. And I think that trade would be great uh, for the league because then uh, you have Aaron Rodgers with the Broncos. Of course, a story franchise with uh, John Elway and then Peyton Manning. And then Aaron Rodgers really just follows a Peyton Manning timeline where Peyton Manning played great. Won a Super Bowl uh, throughout his whole career, but couldn't get past Tom Brady. Just couldn't do it. Uh, He took a year off for his health. He came uh, came back and won another Super Bowl, but of course couldn't get through Tom Brady a few of those times, even though he did do better in Denver than he did with the Colts. And he just finished out his career in Denver. Aaron Rodgers would have something similar, play very well, win one Super Bowl with the Packers, play very well your whole career, and then towards the end of your career, you are traded to the Broncos, and you kind of get your swan song like Peyton Manning did. Uh, And it's good for the league too, because it's Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes twice a year. That's what people want to see. People want to see the greats going against the greats. So what better than Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers going at it twice a year? To me, those would be the top two teams in the AFC. The Broncos right now have a 500, sub-500 roster. I could see them going 8-9 this year with this team. But if you're at an eight and nine team, and your biggest missing factor and link is the quarterback, uh, and you add somebody like Aaron Rodgers, I do believe that increases your win, and you go from a you know eight and nine uh, record uh, to possibly a twelve and five, 13 and four record. To me, that would be the battle to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC would be Aaron Rodgers in the Broncos and Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs. To me, that would be fun to watch. That would help the league out with ratings tremendously because you'd have those two guys battling it out, duking it out uh, to their claim of the second greatest quarterback of all time because both of them have a lot of work to do to still catch up to Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes has the advantage because age is on his side, whereas Aaron Rodgers doesn't have uh, that factor going for him anymore. But with the Broncos, with a defense who I think will be improved this year and better look good through a draft, you'll have people returning as well. From injury, younger team, I think John Elway would do whatever he can to get Aaron Rodgers and to help Aaron Rodgers out the best that he can. So we'll see if a trade happens. Maybe, maybe not. Now, this year coming up is going to be the first year in NFL history where there is a 17 game schedule. The hyped biggest season ever for the NFL. This will be the first year it's happened. There's also been some reports of, you know, some players not happy with it. But there was a report today saying that, you know, by 2025, 2026, there might be an 18-game schedule. Now, what's with the NFL and that getting leaked right now? I mean, you know some players are already on the fence Toward the 17-game schedule, adding an extra game, why go ahead with this report on the 18-game schedule? Yes, they say the main factor is the health and safety of the players and seeing how the 17-game schedule goes uh, for the next four or five years. But really, it's all about the revenue. And with the salary cap increasing every year for the NFL, where others have had flat salary caps or maybe minor improvements, the growth of the NFL is running circles around the growth of the other sports. So, of course, to me, the big thing is, you know, if your salary is $100 million at the time for a 16 games, how much more should it be for 17 games? If there's an 18 games to me, the players won't matter. If, the players won't matter if it's you know 16, 17, or 18 games. If the money correlates, yes, yes, health and safety is a major factor, but it's also players wanting to get paid, people wanting to get paid. Uh, so that's what happens. And then of course you're counting on more revenue being brought in uh, with more games, more fans watching, more fans in the stadiums and all of that, so yes, but I think there just has to be a limit with the number of games because if 17 does well, you're already eyeing 18. When does it stop? When does it stop? When is there just a hard? This is what it is. I do think 18, I do think having an odd number is strange because you won't have a team, you know, F of 500 such as... a. 8-8 as it was before, but I think 18 would be a good number to stop at. You know, you'll have a 9-9, 500 season. Uh, somebody going 18-0 and 0 with the possibility of going 21-0. and 0, But 21 is still a lot of games. To me, that should be the max of a regular season. 18 games, you shouldn't be pushing a 19-20 because then the season gets longer. Of course, that is now... More chance to get hurt, and you're just extending the season into March and uh, giving less off season, less off time uh, to the player. So if you're in 18, make that the cutoff. Make it to where, you know, this is how it's going to be, you know, for the next 40 or 50 years, like how long the 16 game schedule has been. Now, shifting to the NBA. Some noteworthy NBA news is that the Atlanta Hawks have taken a stranglehold on their series with the New York Knicks. They now lead the Knicks three to one in their series uh, one game closer to eliminating them. Right after their big win and tying it up, the Hawks won game five by eleven points. Uh, took control in the second quarter and never looked back. But to me, the big eye-opener was yesterday's game uh, where they crushed the Knicks 113-96. to 96. Uh, Their three-point shooting was spot-on, led by Trey Young uh, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, both of them played Really well, Collins played well. Danilo Gallinari off the bench uh, played well. Julius Randle played all right, but he was nothing special. Uh, but it was to me, it was just great Hawks uh, playing against you know less than greater Knicks. I had the Knicks winning this series. They are now officially in trouble as they have to win three in a row and complete a three-one comeback. Since they do not have LeBron James on their team, I say that does not happen. To me, this series is now over. But it's not all bad because if you're the Knicks, you have a lot to take away from this season because you weren't even supposed to be in this spot. You weren't supposed to be the four seed with home court advantage in the first round. But you are. You were. You'll only build on that. Julius Randle is the most improved player. Uh, If you keep some of this team, the nice pieces, uh, such as Derrick Rose, you've got R.J. Barrett, who's young as well. I think with what this team has done, you can now attract higher-end free agents with this team going well and in the right direction. So it's not at a total loss for the New York Knicks, but this series is over. It's going to the Atlanta Hawks. And I think Trey Young is moving on to face the Philadelphia 76ers shortly. Then, talking about the Nets and the Celtics. Nets have taken a 3 1 series lead on the Celtics. Game. Uh, three was fantastic. Jason Tatum dropping 50 on the Nets uh, to come back in that game and win it. out Harden, who had a f- double-double with 41 points. Uh, Jason Tatum put the team on this back and to me showed that he is a legitimate uh, superstar who can carry his team. It's sad to have Jalen Brown not there. But I do think they are one more piece away from being true contenders. Jason Tatum is the man. I don't know if Jalen Brown's a true number two. And I don't think Kemba Walker you know, is a point guard that they need to really help this team out. Uh, but Jason Tatum is a star in this league. Uh, but yesterday, the big three of the Nets, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving were fantastic, and the win definitely outshadowing Jason Tatum's 40-point night uh, yesterday, Uh, and the Nets again, they now have a 3-1 series lead, and this series is over as well, there was an incident the other game though, in Boston, another one, uh where somebody threw a water bottle at uh Kyrie Irving uh almost hit him uh, but it did not uh again that's not something I am for uh throwing things at people this was just talked about in a previous episode of this happening Uh, To Russell Westbrook, uh, popcorn getting dumped on him, fans spitting on uh, Trey Young. Now this fan is probably going to get banned for life. Uh, He was arrested. Uh, And to me, again, this just should not be happening at all. In the stadiums, uh, definitely not a good look. Of course, to me, right now this is just an NBA problem. But this is not a good look. But to me, I agree with what Kyrie Irving said with the first half of his statement. Uh, whereas, you know, they paid for tickets and he wants people to come out and watch him. But, you know, he's not for, you know, that kind of theater experience, you know, people throwing tomatoes and other random stuff of the people performing and doing their job. I totally agree with that. But then. I did not agree with the second part of Kyrie Irving's statement, where he uh said it's been the history in terms of entertainment performers and sports for a long period of time and just underlying racism and just treating people like they're in a human zoo, throwing stuff at people, saying things there's a certain point where it gets to be too much end of quote. I don't agree that this has to do uh, with underlying racism especially in Kyrie's case, and I'm taking Kyrie's case alone. Obviously, John Morant's statements and things are different because racist slurs were thrown at him and his family. Uh, So that is different, but right now I'm speaking directly to Kyrie Irving and his statement. I do not believe him getting things thrown at him is due to underlying racism at all. I don't believe that uh, for a second, as I've stated before, and as I will state again. And this isn't the first time uh, people have thrown things at people and have shown hatred towards players. Kyrie Irving gets special treatment when he goes to Boston, and maybe he just shouldn't play at Boston anymore. It's because... He was traded to Boston from the Cleveland Cavaliers after not wanting to be the Robin to LeBron's Batman. He didn't want that. He wanted to be his own guy. So he went to the Boston Celtics and forced a trade. Big can do that. Players been doing that now for a while. But then, he doesn't perform well at Boston as he did with Cleveland. and But he still tells the fans, tells the organization, Hey... I'm gonna be here forever. Uh, we're gonna get through this and you know we're gonna win championships here. And then that off season, you don't re sign with the team. So you basically told the fans, the organization, people that bought your jersey and had you on the cover of 2K that you know that was all a lie. That's why he gets special treatment. Because the fans don't like him for those remarks. And those are something that will be remembered for a while. That's why if KD, Kevin Durant at uh, Boston Celtics games, James Harden at Celtics games, do they get water bottles thrown at them? No, they don't. It's only at Kyrie Irving because of what he said and what he did not deliver upon. And there was no hints of racism when LeBron left Cleveland to go to Miami and they were burning his jerseys and, you know, they booed him every single time he went there. But then guess what happened? He left for Miami. Then he came back to Cleveland. He went to Miami and you had some boos there in Miami, but you didn't have a lot of boos because a lot of them were thankful that he won two championships there in Miami. So he goes back to Cleveland, wins a title there, then he goes to Los Angeles. He plays there in Cleveland, and he does not get booed or get things thrown at him. Some of it is, you know, a little hostile, but most of it, they are grateful that he won a championship and delivered on his promise. Kevin Durant. He gets hated when he left, was on Oklahoma City, and he left for. Golden State, he'd come back to Oklahoma City and play games, and they call him a cupcake and razz him, Uh, but guess what? You didn't deliver on winning Oklahoma City a championship. You bailed on the team that you were up to 3-1 on, and then you decided to go to them when they come back and beat you. So that's why he has to deal with harassment at Oklahoma. James Harden was great for the city of Houston. He returns to Houston. And guess what? He gets a mix of some love, some not, because they recognize how great of a player he was, what he did for that organization, even if he didn't get a championship and things didn't end in the greatest of terms. But Kyrie Irving is just that guy and he is just a polarizing athlete where he talks a little too much. And I think some of the stuff that he says, uh, maybe people take a little bit too seriously. And he's one that's you know, just out there, he doesn't want to talk to media. Then he talks to media and says stupid things like, I believe that the earth is flat and all this uh, junk as well. That maybe if he wouldn't say such statements and wouldn't say guarantees to the fans of Boston that you wouldn't be getting water bottles uh, thrown at you. Uh, But no, I do not think it has to do with underlying racism, because if it had to do with underlying racism, there would be bottles thrown at every NBA player, at every NBA stadium, not just things thrown at Kyrie in Boston. So once I see fans throw water bottles at everybody in every stadium, then maybe... I will believe you. But until then, that's not the case. Then in other NBA news, the Dallas Mavericks are trying to choke away their 2-0 series lead they had on the the Clippers. And the Dallas Mavericks have lost two games in a row. So that series is now it to a piece. After two fantastic games in Los Angeles, the Mavericks up 2-0. They came back, and Dallas should have won Game 3, but it was a miraculous comeback for the Clippers, and Luka Doncic with 44 points. But yesterday, I just think that loss drained them. That Game 3 loss drained them. So in Game 4, they just could not bring it because they were so stunned because they are up 30-11 to 11 and somehow lost. So yesterday... Uh, they didn't look good at all. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were terrific. Uh, Rajon Rondo was his best playoff game for them this season. So now it's a pivotal game five uh, where the series truly takes a turn, where it's now 2 2. You have to erase everything that's happened in the past four games and come out and play the hardest at Game 5, but to me, the Mavericks should be a lot of trouble because I was saying this series is over. Now I'm worried for the Mavericks more than I am worried for the Clippers. In that Game 5 on Wednesday night will be massive for both teams. And then the Lakers and Suns are also at to a piece yesterday. Anthony Davis down with an injury. Chris Paul the third nixing the coach's decision to play to not play and it's tied up now at two a piece. To me, I can tell Chris Paul leading his team with 18 points that he was locked in. I telling his coach, "Hey, I'm going to play no matter what even if you want me to sit." He came out and played with so much heart and spirit, led his team in points and assists, uh, played 32 minutes. DeAndre Ayton, getting physical down in the paint, uh, played terrific. Uh, But what marred this game was the loss of Anthony Davis. And to me, this proves that Anthony Davis is the most valuable Laker because LeBron wants Anthony Davis to go 100% and carry the bulk of a load for his team, and LeBron still has his stats no matter what. Because if LeBron's not playing in this series, he has to be 2015 LeBron, in which Kyrie and Kevin Love were injured, and he just has to carry this team. He has to be 2018 LeBron, where he carried the Cavs after the year Kyrie was gone, no Kevin Love, and he he carried them 2V NBA Finals. And if AD is not playing this series, we have to get that vintage LeBron performance that we honestly haven't seen in a while because he's won with AD. And I don't know if LeBron has it in him anymore to do that. Yes, he talks about his shoulders being big and carrying that responsibility for a reason, but can we see is can he bring 30 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, an average, a triple-double to finish out this year's if AD is not healthy. I question if that still remains in LeBron. He's 35, 36 years old. He's near the end of his prime. It's been a long prime for LeBron, uh, but he is in the twilight stages of his prime I believe he can do it you know for the rest of the series I think he could but if AD were to be out any longer I don't think he has that spectacular 2018 run in him uh, which he has to be if AD is not in And it shows how valuable AD is to this team both offensively and defensively so it's going to be a huge Game 5. Chris Paul said it's going to be a dog fight, And I totally agree with him on that. Again, another huge Game 5 in Phoenix. Will AD play? Will he not? That is the biggest X Factor. The Trailblazers tied it up with the Nuggets at 2 apiece. They were feeling it, and the Nuggets definitely were not feeling it. And then the Miami Bucks, or my bad, the Milwaukee Bucks swept the Miami Heat, which I thought the Bucks were going to win, but they swept them even with Dante DiVincenzo. They came back on the Heat and beat them. You know, Giannis was very humble before this series and said, "Who knows if the outcome is going to be different?" I thought, you know, that's well played. Who knows what's going to happen? You're not setting these lofty expectations uh, for yourself now. After the series, Giannis comes out and gets a little cocky uh, saying, uh, you know, we didn't want to play with our food. And you didn't have to say, you know, that, Giannis. You could take the high road. You chose to take the low road. And now you're most likely going to be playing the Brooklyn Nets in the second round in a few days. So it really wasn't a smart thing to say. You know, stay humble and then you'll see good things happen. You know, when you get cocky like that, that's when things tend to backfire on you and everybody analyzes the statements you have made. But tonight, I will be picking two games the two games on in the NBA. The first is a Washington 76 Philadelphia 76ers versus the Washington Wizards. And I'm picking the Philadelphia 76ers to win and sweep the Wizards tonight. I think Joel Embiid is going to have a great game just taunting the Wizards for not doubling him last game. Uh, Joel Embiid's going to be fired up again. Uh, Danny Green is be playing great uh, from the three-point line. Ben Simmons has been great on both ends of the court. And they are just much stronger, faster, uh, and tougher than these Washington Wizards. The Wizards have done, done great. I didn't think we we're going to be here as the 8th seed. But now that they are, they have met their match in the Sixers. And it's too much for Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook to overcome in the Philadelphia 76ers. will be breaking out the brooms tonight as they sweep the Wizards off their own court. Then after that is the Utah Jazz uh, going up against the Memphis Grizzlies. Utah Jazz is up two to one in this series. To me, this is a tough game to pick because the Grizzlies played so well against the Jazz in their last game, uh, but just could not handle the final run that the Jazz went on uh, to win and in that game because of how well that game was played. I think Memphis is going to win this game I do believe they'll steal this one and make it 2-2 John Morant has been tremendous Dylan Brooks has been really good as well Valanchunas has been playing well Uh, this team is playing great to me more better as a team than the Utah Jazz Donovan Mitchell didn't look great uh, this last game but he's only getting better as he's getting healthier Uh, Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson really good team offensively and defensively Mike Conley when he's feeling it like he did last game making seven uh, three pointers that's great for the Utah Jazz but can he they keep it up I don't know that's why I've got Memphis winning tonight in a close one now moving on to the NHL my Game 7 prediction, I was wrong i on the Wild and the Knights. Thought it was going to be the Knights, but I picked the Wild because that's what I picked to open the series. And the Knights did it behind Jan marks trick, Solid game by Marc-Andre Fleury and Max Pacioretty returning. Then, they turned around and played last night. The first round of Game 2, the two best teams in the league going at it. The Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. In the avalanche uh, was really too much for the Vegas Golden Knights from start to finish. Uh, Not one good thing can be said about how the Knights played last night. And starting, to me, their worst position was their goaltender. Surprising move to not start Marc-Andre Fleury. They started Robin Leonard, who has not played since May 10th and hasn't been good this year. At all, Mark andre Fleury, to me, is a Vesna Trophy finalist and to me should be the Vesna Trophy winner for best goaltender. He's the one who got you the wins in the series last time, even helped you when your offense uh, fell so short. I don't blame any of those losses on him. But Robin Leonard letting in seven goals last night uh, was pathetic and to me was the wrong move. But I think that just fired Fleury up some more. And in Game 2, he will be fan. Fantastic, But another major storyline that came out of that game was Reeves, Ryan Reeves' hit on Graves, which I don't think was dirty at all. He kind of just took him to the ground. To me, I was surprised to see him get injured on that. He was given a five-game major conduct ejected from a game, Reeves. I don't think that should have happened because Reeves was sticking up for his teammate because that same player he hit Ryan Graves Ryan Graves had a dirty hit on Matias Janmark uh which left him injured and concussed uh and that was only a two minute interference and to me it was just as bad because it was a blindside hit Janmark didn't know it was coming and Graves just made vicious contact to the head area uh that left him on the ground, so I don't think that's a good look for NHL as you know Ryan Reeves kind of carries this uh, totem, you know, a dirty player so of course he'll get suspended. Ryan Graves will get nothing happen to him, which shouldn't be the case. hopefully this fires Vegas up, and to me it helps too because the suspension for Nizam Kadri has been upheld, uh who he is a forward for the Colorado Avalanche so He'll be suspended still another five games for an earlier dirty hit he had in the previous St. Louis Blues series. A blindside hit where he left his feet, made vicious contact with the head, and left the player uh, concussed. No room for that in the NHL to me. Uh, NHL has to do a better job of being consistent with everything that has to do with player safety and hits like this. Uh, Right now it's very inconsistent and nobody knows what they can get away with or what they can't but tonight I will be picking two games for the NHL the first being the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs now this is a game that scares me because the Toronto Maple Leafs were up 3-1 to one. they've lost back-to-back games in overtime and it's now game 7 And I don't even remember the last time they won a Game 7. They haven't won a playoff series in 17 years. This isn't the first time they've blown a series lead when they could have clinched games before. Going into Game 7 and it's Toronto, the curse is very real. But I'm picking the Maple Leafs because that's what my pre-prediction was, my pre-series prediction. But I just don't know. This is a game Carey Price can steal. John Tavares has skated but he's not playing this game, the captain for the Maple Leafs. Marner has to be better. He can't be taking delayed game penalties for taking the puck off the ice. Austin Matthews has to have a vintage Austin Matthews-like game, and I think they can do it, but then again, Carey Price can definitely steal a win tonight, and history is not on Toronto's side. At all, but I'm still taking Toronto. And then you have Game 2 of the New York Islanders and the Boston Bruins, and I am picking the Bruins. I thought the Bruins were a better team. This was a team I was scared for the Penguins to play the most, uh, but my team didn't make the pass to the Islanders, so if that says much. But I don't think the Islanders are that good. They've met their match in the Boston Bruins. Tuukka Rask is playing great. Pasternak had a hat-trick. In Game One, played terrific. This team played much faster and better uh, than the Islanders. To me, proved that you know the Islanders really are the fourth seed And the Bruins. Since making the Taylor Hall trade, have been really better than they were. You know, the previous you know forty games without Taylor Hall. So that's why I have Boston winning this game. Now moving on to the MLB. Yankees lost to the Tampa Bay Rays today, three to one. That's not really surprising. The Yankees are in a major slump. Offense is playing terribly, and they have to play their rival, the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Rays saying yesterday uh, that they hate us. The the they being the Yankees that the Yankees hate us. You know, so it's easy for us to get excited. Uh, It's just something different. They don't talk about it much, but it's something different in the series. And to me, I see it. I think the Tampa Bay Rays love playing the New York Yankees, and the New York Yankees simply do not like playing the Tampa Bay Rays. To me, I do sense that when the Rays play the Yankees, it is different uh, for the Rays. They want to go out there and beat the crap out of the New York Yankees. They want to win that game so bad. They have those games marked on their calendars. And those games mean more than any other games they play, whereas it's simply not that way for the Yankees. So to me, this is a one-sided rivalry. At moment, the moment, the Rays are owning the Yankees. And to me, the Yankees have to fix that, but they have to fix a lot, not just the series against the Tampa Bay Rays. There's a lot that they need to work on, and that starts with Aaron Boone, who I... Have voiced my displeasure for and the job that he's done with the New York Yankees organization. uh, They have just been plain, flat out terrible uh, with Aaron Boone compared to Joe Girardi and other managers that they have. Aaron Boone is not the man in manager. Uh, He's just a jer. He's, you know, not a man, uh, can't do his job. I'm a manager. I can do my job. I can take care of my people that are under me, motivate them, and provide results to the team and company I work for. Aaron Boone is not a manager. He cannot motivate his team, fire up his team, get results, and get championships for this organization because he is not a good manager. He does not have the makings of a good manager. Now maybe one day he will, but he needs more training. This is not the right fit where the lights are brightest on you, which is the New York Yankees. Aaron Boone does not have this stuff. He is not the manager for this team. If I had the results that Aaron Boone has had in my job based on what the organization has done, in this case being the New York Yankees, I believe I would have gotten fired already. I would not have been kept around like Aaron Boone. To me, it is time for him uh, to go put him on some sort of performance plan and tell him, you don't meet these metrics in the next 30 days. See you later, Aaron Boone. That's what has to happen. And then lastly, Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open, she said before this tournament that she was not going to be speaking to the media, which of course, tournament rules states that you know this means a bit uh, a fine, uh, but if you keep not talking to the media, doing press conferences, then it could result in a default from a tournament, which means you wouldn't be allowed to play. To the rules that have already been in place before she made this announcement. So she knew what she was doing, but she stated that she didn't want to speak to the media due to mental health and anxiety. So now the best thing to do is to not be a distraction, uh, but to leave the tournament. It's funny to me how she said she now does not want to be a distraction when that's one of the biggest things to say is then uh, you don't want to talk to the media. Uh, and do all this before a major uh our major tennis match. Uh, so that was not good to me. It's unprofessional on her part because that grows the sport when the stars are you know talking about it. you know if no stars in the sport are talking about it being no matter what, then you know what's the point? She's never been one to shy away from a media when it comes to talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, police brutality, but when it comes to her play on the court, that's something that gives her anxiety, she doesn't want to touch on that, so she only wants to talk about things she wants uh, to talk about. So to me, she didn't get it right, I feel for her, and everybody with mental health, and anxiety, Uh, but to me, the same thing I've just said, I'm on meetings all day long, some of them do cause me some stress, some anxiety, before I get on them, even after them, you know, talking about things you might be doing, uh, maybe not presenting it the best way, or way you want to articulate it, and this causes me stress, it does, but if I were to tell My company, uh, people I work for, but hey, because of mental health and anxiety, I do not want to have any more meetings. I do not want to be a part of any more meetings. Again, she gets fined. Not only would I get fined, I wouldn't get fined. I would get fired uh, right away if I were to say that because that's part of your job. Your part job is to work, show up, which she does on the court, but it's also to report and be on meetings again. Take questions from the press, so it's just better. It's part of your job to handle this, and you know you grow the sport by doing this. So to me, Osaka has got it wrong. Uh, it would have been better for her not knowing the rules and then stating this just to not play. Announced this a week ago, and then it really wouldn't have been a big deal. But now it is a big deal. People have jobs to do, such as Uh, Sports journalists and people in the media, uh, it's their job. Uh, So it's all part of somebody's job. Nobody's out to get Naomi Osaka in the media. Uh, So to me, she just got this wrong, The timing was very wrong as well. That's it, folks. Hope you all have a great week. Happy Monday. Bye, everybody.